Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. All right, crew, because, well, 2020, it's Halloween and a full moon on October 31st this year. So, Pure Dog Talk brings you the After Dark Virtual Costume Contest for your dog. The contest is open to everyone. There are rules in the post. The deadline is midnight, October 31st. Winners of the costume contest categories will be announced on November 1st, otherwise known as the Day of the Dead. Amazing, right? Celebrity judges, great prizes. Hope to see you all there. Because, after all, we have to celebrate the lunacy of 2020. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and I am very excited. Today's guest is someone I have followed his writings for a number of years now, and getting to have him join us here on the podcast is just very exciting. Today we have part two of our episode talking with Mr. Richard Reynolds. We are going to talk about all kinds of fabulous stuff because he is a brain trust of all things history in purebred dogs, and I am thrilled to have him. You had the puddings, the Russell Terriers, that you bred alongside the Foxhounds in the pack. When did you kind of start that transition from Foxhounds to just Terriers? Well, I think quite fairly, there was never a transition. I was always interested in hunting the Terriers. Had to be. Right. We don't have as many fox in the United States as they do in England, or we didn't at that time. And you had to work a little harder. (laughs) So bringing up the terriers and putting the terriers to ground was always a part of our fox hunting. I never hunted terriers otherwise. And then when I left the pack, I wanted something. I wanted a purebred terrier that I could show. Jack Russell's were not and are not. AKC registrable. Right. So I settled on, somebody slid me into a low mileage used Norfolk Terrier, and that suited my eye pretty good, but I didn't know whether it could hunt or not. Well, a few years later, and a little experience, and a few Norfolks later, we proved they were damn good hunters. In fact, the best Terrier that I've ever had to this day remains one particular Norfolk. Wow. Unfortunately, they're not exactly shaped for the job, but the heart's there, the nose is there, and Norfolk's are a wonderful hunting terrier. Well, from there, I started hunting groundhogs and raccoon and the occasional fox, and I needed different dogs to do the job on the team, so we expanded into some other terrier breeds that we've tried and uh, dachshunds. Mm, Okay. And so talk to us a little bit 
because I think the first time I ran across your name in writing was writing about doing community service work, basically killing rats in New York City using your hunting terriers. So I wonder if you could share with us sort of how that developed and some of those stories. Well, that went back to a dog show. Of course it did. And I belonged to Palisades Kennel Club, and we had our show at Liberty State Park, which is looking up the rear end of the Statue of Liberty. It's not the most opportune view, but it's a beautiful place. And we were going through the show, and the handlers were set up around the old railroad terminal building. And Wendy Kellerman's setup was just overrun with rats. Oh, my God. Of course, Wendy, being the demure, polite, extremely poised individual that she is, what the f***? Let's get these out of here. So we actually said, well, hell, I've got this Norfolk that, you know, pretty good. Brought it down, it, it killed a few rats, and the park superintendent happened to see that. And he said, you know, he said, you don't suppose you could come down here after we close the park and take care of some of these rats? And I said, well, yeah, but why? He said, well, we've been poisoning them, and it takes a while to poison them. Then they come out and vomit blood in front of the tourists, you know. Daddy, what's that rat? You know, it just wasn't the PR thing that they wanted for that. So we decided we'd give it a try, and... After the superintendent saw the dogs kill their first rat, he was sold. And so for, oh, several years afterwards, we hunted regularly at Liberty State Park. And we were still hunting there in 2001. In fact, I was down there the night before 9-11. I was down in the park on 9-10. And we were looking at the Manhattan skyline, which is beautiful, and never dreaming that it wouldn't be there in the morning. But that's where we started, and it was only circumstance that led us to switch to Manhattan. And we're not really doing any social service. Don't let word of that get around, because everybody thinks, isn't it wonderful? But removing 30 or 50 rats from the New York City street is not making a dent in the population. And we're doing it for the sake of the dogs. There's no money here. All sport is ruined as soon as you monetize it. So we don't charge to hunt. We don't pay to hunt. Our members occasionally cough up five bucks each time they hunt. But more often than not, they forget to pay it and we forget to collect it. So it's kind of a thing for the dogs, by the dogs, and of the dogs. And a good night is when the dogs work well together. Bad night is when we don't get anything. And how many people are in this group now? It has grown since 2001. I don't know. Our group, which is officially known as the Riders Alley Trencher Fed Society, which conveniently parses the acronym RATS, Riders Alley was one of the places that we started. Mm -hmm. Trencher Fed means that the hounds actually are kept in the home of the hunter rather than in a communal kennel. Okay. They're fed from trenchers rather than troughs. And society, well, we had to have an S, you know. (laughs) It doesn't exist. There's no club. There's no corporation. There are no officers. There's no bylaws. There's no dues. Well, actually, we are listed in Wikipedia. 
We have a listing there that we're very proud of. I think it's about two sentences long with punctuation, but we're there. But you can't put a handle on us. We're all about an idea. And that idea is preserving breed type through maintaining the actual function of the dog. You can simulate all these things, but you can't replicate the actual deed of hunting or ratting or whatever. It's different. It is. So that's what we're about. Exactly. It's about the dogs, but don't tell anybody because we get an awful lot of good press on the fact that we're killing rats. Well, I got that. I Good press is good. And good press about purebred dogs doing what they were bred to do is never going to be a problem for me. I love it. We can't sell purebred dogs to the media. They don't care. Dead rats are a big seller. <laughs> to say that we have media with us every night that we go out, well, not every night, but we don't miss very many, where we have some media from some continent. We've been all over the world. We did a two-and-a-half-hour live podcast to Beijing a few years ago, and I have a lot of friends in Beijing who watched it and said it was absolutely the worst waste of television time they'd ever seen because... They've got their own dead rats. They didn't care about ours. We did do a podcast a couple weeks ago that was successful, but we've had a lot of media. But that's our little way of selling purebred dogs to the public. And when we're making headway. And that is a big part of why I wanted to talk to you. Because we have such a hard time getting our information out to, I say all the time, John Q. Public. And I've always said, coming at people sideways with information, which is exactly what you're doing. And I love it. Well, if I tell you that my dog is a good rat catcher, you won't care. If a rat is headed to run up your pant leg and my dog stops, you'll have a lot of respect for that fuzzy little critter down there. So that's exactly the way we're trying to make our point. That's fabulous. And recently on your social media, I saw you were talking about, is it like a clubhouse almost? You have an area that you're developing to help dogs learn about ratting and do earth dog and some of those kind of things. Can you share a little bit about that? This is a training ground that we're setting up in Southern New Jersey. The prime purpose is for hosting and running AKC earth dog tests. We use it as a basic training ground for terriers and dachshunds. It's not the same thing. Once they get through the earth dog program, there's a lot of on-the-job training, but it's a starting point. And the sport of AKC earth dog or AWTA, den trials, or Jack Russell Terrier Association go to ground has kind of diminished in recent years. And so the sidelight there, we use it for training street dogs But really what we're trying to do is rejuvenate this sport in and of itself of earth dogs and den trials. I love that. So another thing I would like to talk about, because to me, it's sort of a mind boggling concept of turning a dozen terriers loose on the streets of Manhattan to kill rats. Like, how do they not kill each other? How do you not lose them? How do they not get run over by crazy cabbies? I mean, these are things I need to know. Actually, we have quite a few rules, but nobody's ever bothered to write them down. Well, Pure Dog Talk is happy to archive them for you. (laughs) Our group runs just exactly like a fox hunt. For those of us that are behind the scenes, it's exactly like a fox hunt. Mm -hmm. We allow only a maximum of eight dogs. 
You asked earlier how many people we had. Well, we don't really know because our mailing list is all about 100. Okay. Of those, only the first eight that respond are welcome to come. Got it. Any more and you have a three-ring circus. Any fewer and you're not very efficient. You have too many rats escaping. So eight dogs, one handler per dog. And the dog is always on a lead unless it's not on a lead. And when you let the dog go, you better be damn sure that you can get control of the dog if you have to. So where we have an enclosed area like a courtyard, we love dead-end alleys. That's our basic favorite. And we do let the dogs go, dumpster enclosures and so forth. But on the street, they're on a lead, and we get a lot of mockery from our friends in the U.K. because they hunt their dogs loose in a rubbish tip. And I say, well, you guys, you people drive a lot better than we do, and they believe that. But they give us a hard time about hunting on lead. But the fact is our dogs can do on lead what theirs have to be off lead to do. So those are our safety rules. The worst injury we've had over the 30 years that we've been doing this is, oh, we had one lady with a broken nose. And I'm really open to suggestions if somebody can come up with a nifty story how she did this that fits with our background and our ambience. Actually, she tripped over her dog and fit her nose on the curb. So it really doesn't count as a hunting. It's not as good a story, no. Uh-uh. But we're welcome to suggestions for a better story if you can come up with Flying one. rat, no? We get the occasional rat bite, and that's just par for the course. The dogs aren't much the worse for it. But we have a great safety record. We have a great public relations record, and we do a whole lot to keep it that way. If you don't fit with our way of doing things, then we just kind of stop telling you where the meats are. Right. There have been a number of folks like that that didn't want to play our way. That's okay. I think the work you're doing to bring purebred dogs to public consciousness is invaluable. And I think anything you need to do to keep it that way is totally good with me. <laughs> Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. Embark is a proud sponsor of Pure Dog Talk. DNA testing is rapidly growing amongst breeders. And given the importance of these test results to the health of not only each dog, but also that of future generations of dogs. At Embark, they believe it's critical to provide transparency in their testing methods that result in more than 99.99% accuracy for health tests. Embark's innovative testing platform enables the hundreds of genetic health and traits test results provided in Embark's products, while also creating research-ready data for use by canine health organizations and scientists. Embark's methods exceed industry quality control standards by also checking the breed, sex, and relatives of every sample to ensure DNA samples are correctly labeled and unique identity is recorded. In addition to quality control, this helps fraud prevention by ensuring the same dog can't be tested multiple times without Embark knowing. At Embark, they're proud of their world-class canine DNA testing service, and they're committed to continually raising the bar. They're on a mission to provide breeders and all dog owners with the high level of accuracy they need 
to optimize their breeding programs, manage the lifetime care of their dogs, and improve the health of future generations of dogs. Haven't used Embark yet? Get your first Embark for Breeders dog DNA test for $99 right now. You use the code TRYEMBARK99 at EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders. That's TRYEMBARK99 at EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders. It's an age-old thing, you know. There have been rat catchers through the years, and Queen Victoria had a rat catcher, and name was Jack Black, by the way, for you trivia people out there. He was a paid rat catcher. And then there have been any number of paid people. We now have a, or we did up until the pandemic, we had a paid rat catcher in Georgetown down in Washington. Hmm. But he's got laid off with the pandemic, so we're back to amateur rat catchers down there. Talk about the various breeds that are represented in your kind of rough amorphous group. It shifted considerably. We started out, it was Norfolk Terriers because they were just coming into their own as hunting dogs and Border Terriers, a lot of excellent Border Terriers and your occasional Westie and this, that and the other thing. Now, somehow all of the little black dogs have gotten in here. And we have a preponderance of black dogs, the Patterdales and the Yacht Terriers that we're hunting at this point. But almost every other breed you can imagine comes and goes. We don't have any dachshunds at this point. I don't hunt mine on the streets. So anything, German Shepherds, we've had that. We just had a Kerry Blue come out with us. Nice. You know, almost anybody's welcome to come once. (laughs) Whether you come back again or not remains to be seen, but it's the black terriers that right now keep coming back and the same old borders are with us still you know we always have an underlying border mm-hmm. yak terriers to me are kind of a fascinating little breed that i'm seeing more and more and more of i see them with my bird dog guys they'll have a yak terrier that they'll work with a falcon or i see them using them for blood trailing for when they're hunting large game like that sort of thing you just, po- I think it was you that just posted about yuck terriers in an actual hunting situation with wild boar, which I thought was just amazing. That's something called a pig bay. And it roughly, very roughly equivalent to our earth dog. Mm-hmm. Little bit more challenging. Yeah. Wild boar are huge and mean. Well, the objective of that, you have a boar in an arena. And the objective is for the dog to take control of the boar by eye contact and intimidation and hold the boar in one place for two minutes. Hmm. If the dog contacts the boar for more than five seconds, it's disqualified. So we're not out there trying to inflict any damage on the boar. It's not a blood sport. Not at all. And if you look at the pictures, you could be very easily convinced that it is. Yeah. That's why I wanted to bring it up because I'm like, hmm, I don't know anything about this. Talk about this. Nobody complains. The Norwegian elk hound field trials mm-hmm. require that the dog find and hold a cow moose and her calf in one place for 90 minutes. Wow. So it's all that sort of thing. But boars being what they are and yacht terriers being what they are, it's kind of a rough and tumble sport. And 
if you notice the pictures I put up, the dogs are wearing Kevlar cut vests. Oh, I didn't. Okay, that is what they have. Interesting. So they don't get banged up. The pictures are intimidating. Yeah. And the fellow that took these did a wonderful job. It's an event that's held every fall down in Texas, and the Yacht Terrier Club has spring trials that's a tiny bit more sedate than that. Well, we don't let the rednecks come that far north, you know, but <laughs> it's a good thing, but it conveys an image that begs an explanation. Yes, that's exactly why I posited it. And Yacht Terriers, are they even miscellaneous, FSS, anything in terms of AKC recognition? They're FSS. They are, okay. Which allows us to play in the games and we can do open shows, which frankly aren't all that exciting, but it's a place to go anyway. I like them. I've judged a couple. I think they're a blast. Well, you learn. Yes. I got to see some really cool breeds that I know nothing about. I got to see some good examples of breeds that I know a little bit about. So I enjoy open shows. I think they're kind of cool. Well, it's a good place to see those breeds. And the American Rare Breed Association used to have shows and rarities used to have shows. And we did those, but there are not so many of those anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, for example, some breeds over the years you talked about, Jack Russell's one perfect example, some of the Border Collies, some of these really active, working, have-a-job type of breeds have resisted American Kennel Club registration for fear of softening the breed, you know, making them worry about pretty and not function. Is that something that you're kind of running into with the Yag Terriers or no? Or where is that? Both. Okay. Okay. Middle of the road. The gentlemen that are involved with breeding yacht terriers are very protective of the breed's working qualities. Right. In fact, so much so that they will not sell a puppy to anyone who won't swear on a stack of Bibles that they'll hunt it three days a week. Right. The reason for this is not so much their concern about the hunting, but the fact that these dogs wind up in shelters. Because they're a lot of dog. I mean... I had one at my house that I was, you know, in process, like I held it for somebody to take it to somebody else. That is a lot of dog. Yeah, somebody gets them and they have them for a while and they find out that it's going to eat through chain link fence or climb walls. Yes. It goes to the pounds. So these are things we just have to guard against. Right. And. They were nice enough to take a chance with me because they figured I might hunt it. But I'm the first AKC person that they let in. Interesting. I think the reason that we've gone AKC is that AKC provides a much better database for registration and pedigrees than anybody else in the world. The Chinese Kennel Club is using AKC. Everybody The AKC registration system isn't perfect, but it's better than anything else. Right. So to that extent, they've agreed to follow this, and we're registering certainly only a small percentage of the Yachtarias that are born, but we are registering some, and we'll wait and see. There's no great impetus to move to the next step of becoming miscellaneous. I mean, it's just nobody cares. Right. We're happy hunting our dogs, so. Right. 
Well, this whole thing is fabulous. I very much hope that I will be able to have you come back and join us again now that you have, by your words, reached the 21st century of technology. (laughs) I think it's awesome. I'm so excited. You can stay here now for the duration. I've lined up 16 more Zoom meetings with political candidates, and you've created a monster. I am so excited. I just love it. It is absolutely fabulous. And I have not ever laughed this hard in a Pure Dog Talk episode. So I can guarantee you, listeners, this will be a recurring guest. (laughs) Thank you for asking me. I've enjoyed being here. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our dog show superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk.